By the way, um, has your wish machine shown up yet? Mine hasn't yet. No, I was wishing for it, but it didn't show up. <laughs> you see, I guess you have to have the machine oh, to be able to wish for the machine damn, to show up. I, I really, I got to get things in order here. In all seriousness, what are you thinking of? When we get those machines show up here from our good friend uh, Joshua Warren, who promised he'd send them to us, what are you going to wish for? What do you think? Um, well, I guess it would depend on when it comes in. Like, I would love winter to be over. How about that one? <laughs> okay, well, I can guarantee that's going to happen at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, the wish machine works. Then. See, yeah. You know, it's funny because he said uh, when he um, got his, you know, and he was a ver- he was very skeptic skeptical about it and he said the first thing he wished for was his $300 back because that's what he had paid for the machine and then he immediately got a call and an offer of a job for exactly $300 I just think he was thinking small there why why only wish for 300 bucks at that point why not go for you know especially when he took the picture of that well he printed the picture of that beach out put it on yeah next thing you know he's buying a house down in Puerto Rico I mean in that same why not like print out a bunch of Powerball number pictures and put them <laughs> I know, down right <laughs> I, I, I gotta i gotta send josh a text or something yeah, josh, some ideas. you gotta think bigger my friend uh, but but we're anxious jason and i are anxious to get those and uh i know we'll have some fun with them you and i will will coordinate some wishing going maybe we'll even do a little contest with our listeners or something to get them involved on what we should wish for Okay. That's, that sounds, that sounds, good. Fun, sounds dangerous, too, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I know. It does sound dangerous. By the way, tonight we're going to be talking about a bunch of things, but primarily about the Ouija board. And our guest tonight is Karen Dolman. Karen is an author, a licensed therapist, a business owner, a consultant. Karen, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. It's so great to have you on the show tonight. Thank you, Jason and JV. It's great to be here. Oh, thanks for coming on. We look forward to this. So the, ver- the very first question I have for you is, uh, and I hope I even say it right, an Ouijaologist is that something that you made up, or is that a word that actually people, other people use as well? Well, I think other people use it as well, but it's more like a tongue-in-cheek word. It's just sure. to kind of have fun sure. with the idea. Yeah, it's, it's a fun word to have idea, just to have the you know fun with the word of the idea of studying Ouija, you know, for many years. That's the well, idea. Well, it definitely makes it stand out. I'll Nothing tell you that technical. much. <laughs> Nothing well, technical. So we can't go to we can't go to our local university and major in Ouijaology or anything. That's not going to happen, probably. No, right? no, you can't. You can't get a degree <laughs> in it either. It's a school of hard knocks, is what it is. Yeah. So you've been um, researching the use of the Ouija board since 1973. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, did something Did something happen in 1973 that turned you on to it, or is just that when it came on your radar? Well, that's when it came on my radar. I was um, hanging out with some girlfriends down the street at a young age, and they pulled out this game. They called it a game. And I really didn't know what it was. I, I thought we would go play, you know, uh, Candyland, pick up sticks or Monopoly. And they said, let's play this game. And I said, well, what, what is it? And they said, well, you put your hands on this little thing, which is the planchette we know it as, the indicator, and it moves around the board. And I said, well, that, I said, well that's stupid. You're going to push it, right? And they said, no, 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 no. The spirits talk. I said, really? Come on. So I said, watch us do it. And I watched them and I thought, this is okay, kind of boring. He said, put your <laughs> hands on it. And I said, okay, I'll put my hands on it, but I'm not going to push it. They said, don't. It started moving, and I thought, okay, she's pushing it. One of my friends is pushing it. She's, they said, no, 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 let's let it go. So we started asking questions, and it started spelling words and sentences. And they said, but the, the best thing about the, using this, this uh, game, they called it a game. I definitely don't call it a game anymore. They said, As we talked to our dead sister. I said, what? Ooh. You have a dead sister? Yeah. It turned out one of my friends, and I did not know this, one of the other girls in the room, the older sister, had a twin sister who died at birth, shortly after birth. 
And this younger twin sister was growing up on the other side, was the same age as this girl who was in the room with me, and they were talking to her for a while now. And I was just amazed at the things that were being said on that board that I immediately ran home, told my parents that it's true, it's true, you can talk to the dead, I want a Ouija board. And that's kind of what's got me started on this whole odyssey of using the board. But also looking at that from the from an outside perspective, um, I, I know that there. Well, the Ouija board's been around forever, and uh, I know it was yeah. big, it was big in the late eighteen hundreds through the whole spiritualist communities. Um, it was popping up there, but it, you can trace it its history back to China, where uh, of course when when they had the automatic writing and and things of that nature. But um, situations like that, I mean. I know that there's also I've, now I've never said that the board is uh, is a negative thing that the board opens up these portals. My my thoughts always been that you allowing something to to channel through you using the board, you're allowing something to channel through you to to communicate, and that's always been uh, an area that can kind of open you up to the possibility of of other issues. Now, what's your thought on that? Well, you bring up a very interesting point, and I've heard this you know, many times, and, and I've been asked this question, but this is how I see it. The, the board is nothing. It's neutral. It's just an object. It's, yeah, exactly. it's just a piece of wood. Yeah, it's wood. It's cardboard. It's masonite. The one I used from 1973 is masonite. I still use that same board to this day, but I have a huge collection of them. But if they're neutral. They're nothing until you put your intent on them. Truly, this is how I see the Ouija board. It is my permission slip to reach into the other realms. It's my permission slip. The, the board doesn't do the work. I do the work. It's that I believe I need the board to do the work. Truly, we're always open all the time. And we go into a haunted place. We go into just, just walking down the street. We're picking up on energies of people or energies of, of entities all the time. So you're always really open if you don't know how to close yourself or clean your chakras or stay centered and grounded within yourself. So it's not that the board's opening me up. It's that I'm... I'm allowing myself to traverse the realms and it becomes my permission slip to do that. It becomes my vessel to, in order to move into those realms. Oh, and like I said, I don't, I don't believe that the board has any power. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't feel like William fold. was, was stamping a ghost <laughs> in every board uh, when, right? when he was selling it, but it's the whole fact that, and when you go into a haunted location, yeah, you're going in, you're looking for a possible activity, but I think sitting down when you, whether you're using a board that's uh, an actual Ouija board or geez, they used to draw my walls in the sand. It, do, it doesn't matter. My, my whole thought behind it is that you're opening yourself up. You're allowing something to channel through you to make contact and with the planchette to move, to move around. And I think that opens a door for people who might not be mentally as strong as others uh, in, in that scenario. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And yes, on one one level, yes, that, that's true. But you can do that just by sitting in your room alone with a candle lit and asking and calling upon forces. You don't need the board to do it. So you so people tend to equate the board with more easily able to do that, maybe because it's a piece to focus on. Well, yeah, I think it's because because you're you're trying to tell something to move um, and move a piece around on a board uh-huh. using your hands. I think that's where that's where that whole fear comes from. And of, right. of course, there's been a lot of movies out there that have really embellished and made it seem like the board uh, contain, you know, opens these big portals to the other side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the fear factor steps in and then and then anything that goes bump in the night while using a board becomes, you know, a part of that 
like it scares you. You think, oh my God, there's a ghost here. But a lot of that can be even explained rationally and logically. Um, just because we use a board doesn't mean we're going to get contact. Although um, it is, this is where I think, you know, the fear comes in too. Using this type of tool, it tends to be a, a tool easier that allows you to quickly make these contacts where movement does start. It could be gibberish. It could be your idiomotor, meaning your small, fine muscle movements that are controlling it. It could be your subconscious mind. It could be a lot of different things. You don't always know who, what you're communicating with, if it's your higher self, your inner self, or a spirit, or maybe an extraterrestrial, for example. It just allows you to start getting in those realms, and it, it does it becomes a tool that can be an easier way to enter them. So I think that brings up a lot of fear and trepidation on a lot of people's part to use this tool. So you had you had said, uh, Karen, that um, you know the same kind of activity could occur to somebody sitting in the room with a candle, but just you know focusing mm-hmm. and channeling. So if that's the case, why do you choose to use the Ouija board for well, your tool? Yeah. Great question. Well, I have to tell you, I don't just use the Ouija board. Uh, when I was really young at the age of two, I was able to see spirits. I didn't know what it was at the time. I just had a friend that I would see nobody else could see, and, and I was told it was an imaginary playmate. Well, as I grew up and got older, I realized that energy is still there, and I can still communicate with this being. The thing is is that, for me, I, I came to this tool already having experiences of seeing things that other people couldn't see. So I don't just use a board, although I found that the board was a way I can I could use it with other people and help other people explore this with me and it was like became a partnership thing I enjoyed doing it with friends um, and I still enjoy doing it with a partner rather than by myself although today and where I am now I'm doing a lot of my own personal channeling and I do see entities periodically and I'll see ores as well so I do a variety but the Ouija board is is one tool as we mentioned earlier that's probably an easier way to reach into the realms and so I found that it's been very very successful for me uh, in terms of the communications I've had and so, the conversations. yeah you mentioned your introduction to the Ouija board was in the form of some friends of yours saying mm-hmm. let's play this game and and we all know was it Parker Brothers that that made the Ouija board and actually owned Owns the name Ouija board. Was it Parker Brothers? Is that the company? Well, it's it's Hasbro now. Hasbro. Yeah, Hasbro. Real quick, real quick history. In 1890 is when they first created the board. It was created by a Kennard Novelty Company, and they got the patent in 1891. And they made it for quite a few years until they sold it to, I guess, who ended up with was William Fold, and his company oh. ran it until 1967. Parker Brothers bought it then, and they owned it until Hasbro bought Parker's Brothers. Okay. So Hasbro now owns it. Yeah. Okay. So, That's but so you know they introduced Introduced it, and I, I, you know, I, I have a hard time believing they took it very seriously. I think they uh-huh. did. They did view it as a game. Um, do you think that was dangerous? Do you think that that was uh, kind of playing with fire by treating this particular tool as a game? Yeah, in a way, I do. Uh, I, modern day times, I do. Now, when it first came out, you you hit the nail on the head when you said it came out of the spiritualist movement. Absolutely right. Mid eighteen hundreds, the spiritualist yep, movement. About eighteen ninety. Yeah. Yeah, and so when this board came out, there was actually an earlier one in 1876 called the Witch Board, and that was given to one of the presidents at the time as a gift, and he had it in the White House. So, it, it, so what's fascinating is it, there was a there was a tool before there were devices being used, and it was taken very seriously. What those weren't games; it was something it was something you would do with your family after dinner, and you wanted to communicate with the carnage, the death that happened just in the Civil War, and again in the in World War One, the early 1900s. It was really popular, and it wasn't it wasn't really considered a game. 
game. It became more of a game in probably the 50s and 60s around that time when it, it, it you know, it was marketed as a game. And when Parker Brothers took it over, they marketed it as a game and it outsold Monopoly. It outsold Monopoly in the first year they brought it on by, it was like 2 million copies it sold immediately. And then it became a game. And then Hollywood grabs grabbed a hold of it and said boy this game is really selling let's really use it and so you know there was a mixture of a lot of things going on that kind of gave it its name we have today is you uh we're talking about when it when it started to become popular as a formal uh device or apparatus as opposed to somebody maybe just drawing something on the floor or on a wall or whatever um was you said people were trying to get in touch with loved ones maybe lost in the civil war and you said again in world war after world war one and i think sometimes it's underappreciated how much death there was and how many families were touched by the death and tragedy of those two particular conflicts, whether it was the Civil War or World War One, And so many people were trying to reach out to those loved ones that they were kind of looking for any way to do that. Isn't that so? Absolutely so. And they, they used to hold revivals where they, you know, they would do um, seances and spiritualist movement uh, retreats. And um, there was a lot of uh, false falsities that came pop, popped up, a lot of charlatans. But yet the Ouija board wasn't it was a cheap easy way to reach the dead and it was a quick like we talked about earlier it usually gets some kind of movement with the planchette and if you're if you work at it long enough you'll start to get words and sentences and so it was cheaper and easier to do that than go to these revivals or go to an expensive seance it was like a dollar something you it was like a seance in a box you pull it out and there you go presto you pull it out in your parlor after you have your dinner and you use the board i mean you didn't have tv back then right they just they didn't have radio right. so right. you know it was radio came along a lot later so it was more of a, an inter- Entertainment and a, a way to uh, just reach reach out to their loved ones because you're right. There's a lot of carnage in our uh, United States and the in the, our country. But then you know, what well, came out of the United States was it was created in the United States, so that's where it started. But um, then in World War One too. So in World War Two as well. Yeah. So really in the in the eight, late 1800s to the early 1900s, it was seen as something that almost every home had. It was not seen as scary. It was just normal, and it wasn't treated as a game. It was it was a novelty item, but they took it more seriously. Well, one of the things that I think people have a difficult time appreciating just because of the age we live in and what's available to us now is you look at families uh, post-Civil War and, you know, their loved ones would leave their home, um, you know, and then four or five years later, they'd get a letter in the mail uh, saying that so-and-so died, you know, in in combat or whatever it happened to be. And they'd be lucky if they even had a picture of that loved one. I mean, photography wasn't very common at that point. So they didn't have the type of communication and contact contact with those loved ones while they're away as we might have now so when they lost them they lost them for good so the 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 need and the desire uh to reach out and and try to get some kind of memory from those folks was pretty intense and that's what led to uh as you said charlatans like spirit photography and these things that were just preying on those people Oh yeah, absolutely, and and it was uh, you know, and it, that was his heyday of of all this this fakery because as you said, people really wanted to have that that last word or that or that um, closure from the death or or just to know their their loved ones survived or is okay or there is life after death. So it was a huge movement, and it was the spiritualist movement. It was very huge in the United States. It was also big over in Paris. It was big in, in Europe. Um, the spiritual movement was, was a giant movement that happened around that time. You know, it's it's, it's a it's a huge 
human quests to understand what why we're here and what happens to us when we die. So there's always interest in this. And the Ouija board really has become a more of an iconic symbol of that for us now, and pop culture-wise, of what's on the other side. And and a lot of these, you know, paranormal investigations, as you know, and using a lot of these different tools allows us to kind of really explore this more than we ever have in just some really modern ways. And so it, it, it just kind of answers that age-old question. What happens when we die? And everybody's curious about that. Of course. Nobody wants the, for the, the last time you close your eyes for that to be it. Um, and that, that's a big thing. But now in all your years of using and inve- investigating with the Ouija board and so forth, have you ever run into a situation where people have been using it and a negative situation has arisen from it due to making contact with what they believe is a spirit on the other side and come to find out it's something being deceiving? You know, I've heard a lot of stories about that, um, and I have close friends who've run into that, and I know I know uh, people who, you know, run into the Zozo phenomenon and a few other things of that nature, and I would say I haven't had those type of experiences myself. I have had some um Oh, negative things being said on the board. And then when I was a lot younger and some like, for example, cussing words, and I just said, I'm not going to talk to you. You need to stop. But overall, I've been really respectful of this tool, really respectful of the energies that personally, I haven't had those kind of experiences. I, I tend to be able to go to a place or even just be, be in my own location, tap into a location and get great messages about what's going on there that can be uh, corroborated or researched later. And But I've heard a lot of people who have had some negative experiences and you know i there's a lot of questions i ask them uh, surrounding their session why that might be and some of those questions i ask were you imbibing on substances were you using this in a joking manner was it a game to you um what was your intention when you used it um how do you feel internally um what's your psychic makeup like uh etc etc and i can go on and on and ask all these questions and i can find out typically a few of those things have been have have they've had issues with them or they weren't taking it seriously or it was a joke or they were drinking alcohol and all these things that just will bring up all kinds of negative stuff negative energies are out there they're there people are negative but people die they're not necessarily changed they sometimes keep those same oh, of course if, if you die if you die a miserable person uh, you, you might very possibly be a miserable person in the afterlife yeah, exactly. And so you're going to communicate with that and you're going to attach yourself to that. And so it, it, it's something it, for me, it's a, been a tool, just a tool that I've taken really seriously. I, I just always have. And so I've had just nothing but great experiences in terms of making contact and having uh, a give, first of all, giving out respect um, to the spirits and the energies that with like to whom I communicate, but also I'm getting that respect back. And I found it's been a very positive experience for me overall. But yeah, people do have experiences that aren't so positive. Well, and I know we've only got about a minute, minute and a half before we got to take a break, but um, have you ever had a situation where somebody using the board, when they weren't using the board, the planchette moved around on its own? I've never seen that, and I've just heard stories about it. That's never happened to me. And again, I've been using it. I'm in my 44th year of using this tool, and I've never had that happen to me. Well, and I'm just referring, I was asking because I dealt with a case out in Maine. It was a a demonic type haunting that was going on in the case. And it's not the board that brought the thing in by any means. I'm not saying that. But the girls at one point did try to make contact with something in the house. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, you know, the the planchette was moving around the board on its own without anybody touching it. So so I just didn't know if you had ever come across a situation like that. No, I've heard. I've just heard. I've never seen it myself. Yeah, I've heard stories about that. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yep, and again, tonight we're talking with Karen Dolman, and uh, uh, we're talking about the Ouija board. And before we went to break, uh, Jay, you had asked the question about, you know, has, has, Karen, have you ever seen a planchette move on its own? And yeah. My question, Karen, was going to be something very similar, but, you know, a lot of people claim that the Ouija board isn't what we all say it is or what we, we talk about it being because of the very fact that unless someone's touching it, it won't move. What do you say to folks like that? Well, see, I, I'm from that that school. I haven't seen it work, move on its own. I mean, strange things happen. Other things I've seen move that aren't a planchette. So I know there's possibilities there. But um, uh, yeah, I, 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 for me, the Ouija board has, has never worked that way. But yet, I can't say that it wouldn't or couldn't because people have experienced that. Obviously, just I haven't. Um, so if it if something like that was happening, I mean, I guess I'd be right there trying to figure out what it's spelling, because that's the only way it can really communicate is through the letters. So I'd be really curious to see something like that. Well, yeah. definitely, definitely interesting. I'm sorry, Jim. No, it's, okay. it's very interesting. Yeah, it's okay. I guess I'm just trying to say, you know, there there are people that I, I guess what I was getting at. There are people say that say that because it will not move without somebody touching it. Therefore, the only reason it moves is because somebody's manipulating it. But I'm assuming ah. that you believe you believe that it's just a it's a it's a an energy that's being channeled through the person touching it. It's not the actual person that's moving it. Is that is that what you think? Great, great point. Okay, I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yes, I I absolutely. Believe that uh, I believe that sometimes people push it. I believe that sometimes people want things to happen. I do believe in the EDM motor effect. I think that can happen. Subconscious movements can happen. Um, but yet, I believe uh, what I'm doing. I full 100% full-heartedly believe that I'm in communication with spirits. Now, I just don't speak to deceased people. I actually have moved beyond the deceased. I still speak to deceased when somebody comes to my session for closure, or there's a certain message I need to give somebody, or somebody just something comes up that I need to give a message. I typically speak to ethereal beings or spirit guides or angelic beings or even extraterrestrials or interdimensionals, I'll call them that. Any sentient being, it could be alive or deceased, I will communicate with. And I, so I tend to really push the boundaries of consciousness, and I'm trying to explore all the different levels of sentient beings you can communicate with. So I also, I also speak to animals. So I've really gone way out there beyond just the deceased people. So uh, I really, truly believe I'm in communication with these different consciousnesses, these different awarenesses. Yes, so it I sounds do. like this board can, well, yeah, it almost, well, it can connect to anything and everything. I mean, you're, you're talking being able to connect with uh, extraterrestrials and animals. And so it's pretty much just a, an all communications board. I call it my great cosmic phone. So I basically dial up a frequency. I do it through my intentions. I do it through my body in terms of feeling good and centered in my body, my breathing exercises I do. I talk about all this in in one of my books, The Spirits of Ouija. I I go all into how to do this. And so I'm basically dialing up a frequency of what I or what, who I want to communicate with. And let's say, for example, is I want to communicate um, with the wolf outside or the coyote I hear. And will it communicate with me? So I dial in my intentions by saying I want to communicate with this. I, I work with the energies. I feel like the wolf. I try to become the wolf energy myself. Self, I do visualizations and then I tap into it and then I allow it to communicate. This has come through a lot of years of practice. I didn't even start talking to the animal kingdom until 1994. It took me quite a few years till I got there. I started first with after the deceased people, I talked to my higher self, 
did that for four years, got into the angelic realm, then got into the ethereal beings. Now, these are beings that have never been born in a physical body. And then I started getting into the animals. They started coming through for me. I didn't even know you could do this. And then the extraterrestrials came in around that time. Many different dimensions will come through, but it has to be a sentient being, a sentient being that has a consciousness and awareness and has the ability to communicate on some level. That's what I found so far. So your thought then on these movies that have come out, uh, of course, Ouija, Ouija 2, whatever the hell the next one is. Um, <laughs> right. Do you think that they're they're more hurting uh, the whole concept behind the Ouija board? Well, okay. I, yes, I do. And one, one level, if you really want to take this seriously and learn to use this tool and reach out into many different dimensions, yes. But I've seen the movies. I go and see them because I like to be entertained. I want to see if they're going to be funny or if they're going to be scary. And to me, they're, they're mostly just funny. I tend to laugh. Yes, yeah, so really while, might, over the top, jump, right? Yes, exactly. I might jump a little bit. But other than that, I use, I'm usually left laughing and going, no, that's not how it really works. But that's Hollywood. And so if you're going for entertainment and that's what you want and you want to scare yourself and, and Ouija's all woo-woo, scary, scary – yeah, that, that's that's great on that side. That'll help that'll help reinforce that for you. But if you want to understand what this cosmic phone, this this tool can really do, those those movies aren't going to show you that. They're going to show you the antithesis. Well, and even even as a paranormal investigator, I can say through all the years, I I see all the movies out there or whatever. But um, I can say honestly, the only one that really sort of touched on how it really is when you're having these experiences or you see things i'd have to trace back to the sixth sense i think that was one of the best movies done because it's always the out of the corner of the eye it's never it's never like we we've we've interviewed the people uh uh, from the con uh, the conjuring and and so forth and we've had many many of these people on the show and of course the experience is never like the movie makes it the movies blow them so much out of proportion right right down to christopher lutz who uh from the amityville um the movies blow them so out of proportion it's nothing like that when, when they're having these experiences and uh and I, so I think a lot of times movies, they're great for entertainment value, but they, they really suck and they don't help the field. They don't help, <laughs> they don't help push, a, push the field forward. They sort of hold it in this, you know, this just terrifying realm. I, I think Scooby-Doo was like one of the best things out there because you could always, you always do. At the end, they pulled the mask off of old man Jenkins and, and, and you'd solve the problem. So it, it sort of took that fear factor away. It might be startling at the moment, but there's always a solution. You're always able to figure it out. It's never way over the top. Yeah, and, and so movies, they, they aren't there to educate us on these tools in, in regards to how we can really use them. They're there, like you said, for the entertainment factor. And, and it, it kind of keeps us in limbo with these tools um, because you never, you never really get to see how they really can be used instead it, it it really breeds fear and when there's more fear out there it just it, it does damage the tool in that regards um if you're serious about using it I, and I'm, I'm very serious about this tool so yes i see the damaging aspect of these movies for sure all right let's go to the phone lines we've got vince from missouri on the program vince welcome to beyond reality radio Concern, kids. <laughs> hey, vince, <how laughs> i would have got away with it too <laughs> you've seen scooby-doo <laughs> What's Bango, on, kids. What's on your mind, Vince? Hey, you know, I, you know, I'm thinking about throwing bones, throwing rune stones. The Ouija board, I've had three. I'm only 20. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, you know, in my mind, it's the people that are running the board. It's not the board. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's the people, the energy that's, that's, that's putting their hands on. What do they call that? The shit Planchette. Planchette. name of that. Planchette. Planchette. No, Franchette. I'm sorry. Plan with, plan with a P. Plan shit. Okay, I'll just, just call it plan shit. Okay, we're good. Right. Be careful what you say. We'll have to bleep you. I know. Don't, don't bleep me. 
Anyway, my question for your caller, and I, and I respect very much that, but I just wonder how much, you know, is the human touch. That's what makes the board. I don't think the board makes itself. I think the human touch does. And I think the energy from the humans. I've had to get those little little uh, pegs on the bottom of mine replaced like three times, okay? Mm-hmm. little felt, yeah. Yep. Yeah, little felt things because they wore out. And But I think the people that are sitting around the table, they push, pull, and, you know, when you find that medium, I have found a couple times that it was really spooky and kind of scary because nobody would admit to saying they pulled that, that, that uh, French thing you said. Yeah, yeah the plan changed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, so, I'm like that. That's really creepy. But I mean, so as far as you know, as far as throwing bones and uh, you know the rune stones and things like that, is that any similarity to that? That's a great question, Vince. What great you, question, Vince. Yeah. Uh, and I want I want to say I totally agree with you. It is it, the human touch is ne- is necessary for this work. Um, the the, the, the non physical beings need our physicality in order to um, help them communicate through this tool. They need to use the, the planchette and help it move. So they use our energies. I 100 percent agree with you. Yes, I throw ruins as well, and I do the I Ching, and I also do true. I do a few different divination types of tools, and yes, they're very similar because it allows you. It becomes your tool, your way, your mechanism. Them, your permission slip, if you will, to move into the other realms and get some kind of guidance or insight or wisdom or you know answers, if you will. Um, so yeah, I agree that they are they're all using the same level. And like I said, you can sit in a room with a candle. It's no different than you open yourself to the other dimensions when you when you work with any of these tools because you're you're asking purposely for the for the unknown, the unseen to come back and communicate with you on some level. Cool. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, cool. thanks for the call. Welcome. Thank you, Vince. Thanks, so, um, Karen, I've got to ask you. You do a um, a web program, a YouTube uh, program called Women of Ouija, right? And this is you and, right. and, a, and, a, and a co-host. And you wear some pretty cool outfits. I've seen pointy hats. <laughs> I've seen uh, Ouija board hats. I've seen all sorts of Ouija board mugs. Tell us about that show and what you're doing with it. Well, thank you for asking. Yeah, we have a show called The Women of Ouija. We've done this show, I think, almost two years now. We have a, I have over 50 videos. Uh, we release one every couple, two or three weeks. But what we do is we talk about the positive side of the Ouija board, and we answer viewers' questions. We have our followers, and they'll send us emails. And, and we're also, we, we belong, uh, my partner's Marla Martinson, and she also has been using the Ouija board. Not not too long, but she really took to it quickly. But we, but we belong to some um, chat rooms and and uh, Facebook groups, and and then we have our own channels where we just we like to talk to people about the, the like I said the positive side, how to really seriously use this tool. The vi- the uh, show we have the Women of Ouija under my YouTube channel under Karen A. Dahlman is uh, it's more of a light fun. We keep it fun because I think you know doing this work you can get too serious. Yet we share some very serious stuff. So we do wear witches hats. We're not witches, but it, it just seemed kind of cool to be witchy women of Ouija. You know, a lot of W's in there. It just <laughs> yeah. sounded good. Yeah, and then we. we we have our Ouija paraphernalia, and we wear them, and we have a good time with it. So, yeah, come come check us out. Thanks for mentioning that. Well, now, uh, also, Karen, you're in the hypnotherapy field as well, mm-hmm. correct? That's now, very correct. Now, with doing that, I know that there, there's been uh, individuals who, who do it and try to help people contact the spirit realm in, in that sort of uh, a mode. Is that something you work on as well? 
Uh, yes, I have. In, in fact, I didn't just do that. We also did past lives where we went into other realms and we also went in between lives where I work with my clients. I didn't take them there. They went there where they would speak to their spirit guides or deceased loved ones. So absolutely, yes, that's a wonderful way. That's another tool. There you go. It's another permission slip to to ease into these realms and communicate with these different dimensions. Well, especially putting the mind into that into that mindset, uh, I think opens the door. You're able to access parts of, of the brain that we don't use, and uh, and it sort of opens that door, allowing them to to make contact with the other side. Now, I know that there's been cases where hypnotherapists have worked with individuals and been able to open them up to uh, to actually help the individual become more sensitive, be uh, more open and start being able to see things that they couldn't when they were uh, before that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the th- okay, yes, through hypnosis, through uh, using these tools, this is what I found as a byproduct. Um, I still use self-hypnosis. I still use hypnosis when it's necessary, and I did for many years past life regression with clients as a therapist. Um, so what I found as a byproduct of working with your mind on these levels, working with your intuition, working with your ability to let go and allow, for example, the planchette to move, it's really, it's allowing. It's a tough thing. You kind of have to get out of one side of your brain, the linear, and get more into your creative thing. And what I've learned as a byproduct is that you actually become more intuitive, you become more empathic, you start developing psychic abilities, you start developing these propensities within yourself, which we all have as you begin to explore these realms. It just becomes a byproduct. And I've interviewed and asked a lot of people these questions, and I found out from them too, after so many years, you know, there's not a certain magical number, but after so many years of doing this, they find that their life, in many ways, when they use use these tools positively, has improved they found themselves more empowered in their life they make better decisions they feel more centered they feel more coherent they feel more alive and happy in some regards and yes they start developing these other tools or abilities within themselves it's really kind of a cool thing that starts to happen well because one thing we talk about and we've talked about numerous times on the show is to a child children are more prone to be able to see the spirit realm than adults because to a child anything's possible they're they're wide open a big fat guy comes out the chimney every christmas a big bunny <laughs> in the basket, but everything is possible. So they're more prone to see the spirit realm than adults because adults tend to be closed off. It's not until we start telling these the children that their invisible friend, Bobby or whoever doesn't really exist, that we start closing them off to, to what we believe is, is possible. And, and it sort of shuts off that sensitivity that, that kids are, are just born with. And I, through hypnosis, I know there's been many cases that people have been able to to walk that back and help help individuals reopen those abilities and sort of, um, well, like I said, uh, start seeing things and, and communicating with the other side again. Yes, yes, that's so true because I, I was one of those, those people. I would, see, I would see beans in my room. Instead of asking me about them, I was told that, I need to quit talking to things that aren't there. I need to stop this. So when I go to school, when I eventually go to school, you know, they're not going to think I'm crazy. Quit being crazy. I was told and all these things. Yeah, in other words, be like everybody else. And that's normal. And nobody wants to be Uh, just a normal person. I mean, like everybody else. Exactly. And it it just shuts us down. And so it was a lot of time I had to be under – under wraps with this information and my work that I was doing, only close people to me knew it. In fact, I didn't come out until 2012 and talk about my experiences when my first book came out, although I wrote that book in 1996 with the help of my spirit friends. I've been writing all my books with my spirit friends, our co-authors. But I was so afraid and ashamed, and there was that whole stigma, and I was a practicing psychotherapist, I, you know, losing my license back in the 90s. It was just a real kind of real scary thing, so I couldn't come out in the open. And with the business I have in L.A., and, you know, I, it's just – it was 
was weird. But now at this point, I don't care anymore. And it's something that I'm reclaiming. And I found, and if people out there that are in the chat room are listening to the show, you too might have been one of those, those child or children that we're talking about right now who was told to shut this down or felt like you had to hide it. And you're coming back into your empowerment with this at a later age. That's perfectly all right. And what I found was, as I started to acknowledge that, all these abilities started coming back and then some. So just have patience with yourself if you're one of those people and you want to be able to bring back those those abilities you had as a child. Just maybe to see auras or to hear the angels singing. I mean, there's so many different ways that children are able to reach into the other realms. They're just, they're just right there. The veil is lifted. They're so in touch with the, who, who they were, what they were before they came here. And they're in touch with the other, the in-between worlds, the afterlife, the in-between lives. I have a, a question because I think it was something that maybe I saw you say in one of your um, videos or maybe I read it or maybe it wasn't you at all. I don't remember. Maybe it was just in my research. <laughs> but um, did you say that uh, you actually, when you're communicating with whoever is on the other side of the Ouija board when you're communicating, that you actually sometimes get future predictions? I have, and I've done some prediction shows. And my spirit guides say, like to say, okay, you want to do this? We'll do it for you. But we're not soothsayers. We're not fortune tellers. And we've got to talk about probable universe, uh, universes and possible realities that, you know, one thing may happen on this reality, but it may be happening different on another reality. But yes, we do that sometimes. And I've had some uh, pretty good predictions come through. I don't use the tool that way. I try not to. It comes up from time to time in sessions. People may ask these questions. Um, and I do a lot of live shows, and, and you can see them on the internet if you Google me. But um, and people have asked those kind of questions, and they're really good. It's not me again. I'm just the messenger. They're really good about helping the person get to what the what they really want to know. Is it really they want to know the prediction, or they really want to know how to empower themselves so they can create their future? So my guides that I work with on the board are more about helping you empower yourself and find your own answers within. Yet they they are from outside of us, but yet they try to work with us with like ancient knowledge and wisdom of the ages to help improve ourselves in our lives so it becomes a very personal empowerment um, self-improvement self-help if you will kind of thing that we do so when it comes to predictions they're going to probably come back if you had to ask them hey am i going to get this job am i going to get this raise and they're going to come back and say what would it mean to you to get that raise and what do you believe that you can do that how do you feel about this do you think you're worthy of that and they'll ask you questions instead it's really bizarre it's almost like they're doing therapy on yeah, us we have to it's go crazy. To, we have to go to break in just a, a few seconds here but one of the things and this is a very honest and just curious question of because there are several people who have said they've been they've contacted the spirit world or their guardian angels or spirit spirit guides or whatever it is and and somehow can get information about future events and i just i just mm -hmm. don't understand how the spirit world how the other side can predict or foretell the future i don't know how that works do you have a sense of how that works in 30 seconds yeah i do what they say is that they actually read vibration so the vibration that's emanating right now that's around a certain situation you're asking about they read the vibration and give you the best a probable reality that could happen. And that's why uh, psychics can't be 100%. They're reading the vibration, they're reading the images or the energy that's around that circumstance that you're inquiring about. You talk about teaching people the positive uses of the Ouija board. How would you define those positive uses? Well, the, the positive uses, we've kind of touched on them throughout the conversation tonight, but it's when you learn to focus your intentions and you, you want to use the tool, this tool as a way to 
progress yourself, to get closure over a death, to understand maybe universal knowledge, to seek answers to the universe, to explore past lives, to reach out to your guardian angel. And you do that all through various techniques that I teach and I, sh I all free on my, my, um, website as well as on my YouTube channel. But it's really a way to use this tool um, in the realm that, mo that most of us don't see it in and to take it out of the Hollywood fear and, and the jeer part of it and put it into to the light of what it was created for. It was created for purposes of reaching into the past, into the loved ones and, and having that bond and that communication. So I just took it a step further and said, how else can I use this to maybe do self-improvement or maybe to have a conversation with my guardian angel, which I knew I had as a child. You know, so when I say positive i'm saying what can you imagine would be more positive in your life and do would you want to reach your guides that they can probably inspire you and help you do that i use the board a lot for inspiration and like i said i've written three books uh with the help of the board which is not the board it's really the spirit guides and so the the, the again the ouija board becomes a tool to reach into these realms and to share some really provocative interesting information in the books i write about which actually blows my mind but allows me just to kind of explore the universe and so that's how i see this as a positive tool it allows you to discover and explore more than what's meets the eye and it really allows you to go to the unseen realms may i just say though it must take you forever to write a book using a freaking ouija board <laughs> <laughs> one letter at well, a time I, I just I, I have to say it because it must take forever like a year well, to write a couple write pages everything. they don't write everything they'd be like a <laughs> oh, good. We got a sentence done today. That was eight hours of writing. Well, that's what I figured. That's, that's the way I'm looking at it. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You should see how fast I, I can do it. But what they do is they give me ideas, and they'll say, here's a topic I want you to write about, and they will go. They'll usually give me a lesson. I, it's like their universal lessons for the day, and I'll sit down, and it'll be two hours later, and they've given this huge lesson. We ask questions, and then from that, I write, and, the, and I'll come back, and I'll share with them. They say, well, you know, think about this concept further. And so they get to plug in their information, but they come to me in the middle of the night i get downloads now when i'm writing a book i wake up usually two or three or four in the morning i take it seriously i get a great concept and i write it down and i don't even know what i wrote go back to sleep and i wake up and go wow that's pretty cool i don't remember really writing all that and then i'll expand upon it so they work with me through meditations too they work with me through visualizations they work with me through the sleep but they work with me in many different ways now so yeah we we, we have it down we can write books a lot quicker now <laughs> i would hope so <laughs> When you talk about uh, the importance of the higher self, what are you referring to? I'm talking to that greater part of yourself that's larger than your ego self or the physical body you're contained within, but the part that connects you back to all that is, the part that connects you back to the unseen realm, to who you were, who you've been before, your soul. So the higher self is that part of you that exists beyond this physical. It's part of your physical, but it's so much more, and that's, that's that part of you that – we, we would probably say this in technical terms or the science would say using more of your brain. We use like five to eight percent. This allows you to start moving into and knowing and learning and understanding things and bringing out talents and abilities. And as I mentioned before, these psychic abilities or, or awarenesses um, and start using them in your life because you're tapping into your higher self that contains all of this. And so it's really it's really an interesting uh way or, or a conversation to have with the higher self through the board because now you can get that direct spelling from it and i purposely asked my higher self to come through and it took a while and i got there and and i know now when it comes through now it doesn't use the board at all i get great flashes of insight that come to me all the time now from my higher self i don't even don't even sp speak to the higher self on the board my third book 
uh, he, I call it a he because it has this masculine presence about it, even though I'm a, I'm a woman. Um, it has a masculine presence about it, and he comes through in the book, but now he's coming directly through me, and it's it's really just this, these greater insights that come to my mind. It's like a flash of light bulb going off. That's like my higher self. I can tell the difference between them, that, and the, the spirit guides. So you've just you've been able to condition yourself enough over the time to be to be able to do that. That's right. It's again. I've been doing this for such a long time, um, like forty-four years of the board work. But yes, doing this work, it, I've conditioned myself, and it's again my practice with meditation, my practice with yoga, it's my practice with um, uh, hypnosis, my practice um, uh, with my dream recall. It's all these things that go together that help me to be able to tap into these other realms. And I think that's why I have great success in the board, which is such positive, uplifting, uh, strong communications that I can dig up some good information and get. Some good insight because I do all these other practices outside of the board. I always tell everybody if they want to learn to use the board in, in these positive ways I'm talking about, in uplifting ways, you really have to do your spiritual work, your work that helps you ground yourself away from the board. Do those things that help you feel great in life, that bring you joy, that allow you to let go of the, you know, the ups and downs of the day. We all have these hardships, but to allow you to get back to your center where you understand you're connected to something greater than just your ego self and then come to the board and then you find that that helps create your intentions helps you dial your frequencies or the frequency you want to communicate with and it brings in these these wonderful spirit beings that resonate at that same vibration it's really fascinating karen when you get a new board to use you have a cleansing ritual don't you you actually do something with the board before you use it tell us what that is i do because i buy a lot of boards and by the way people were asking on the chat room how do you get rid of board well i'll buy it from you <laughs> send it to me <laughs> that's how you get rid of them there's so many collectors out there so i buy a lot of old boards my oldest board is an eight circa 1890 91 board it's one of the original boards and i when i get these old boards or even new ones i have certain things i do and so a few things i will do is i like to put um, rock salt on them and I, I just rub it on the board rub it on the bottom and i might put them outside in the moonlight or the sunlight and let them sit there just have the natural and environment around it i sometimes sprinkle dirt on them but my all-time go-to favorite is just to get out a sage stick and burn sage hold it around the board and just hold it around myself to burn the sage and connect myself to the board again it's a tool it's it's has to do with your beliefs what works for you what's going to allow you to align with your tool um, no different than learning to use your tarot cards or dowsing rods or even your k2 meter you want to have a connection with it how to know how to use these tools so for me it's more of a spiritual connection so i bring in the sage and and i might say an incantation or a prayer around them and then uh, that's it i'm done and my boards by the way you guys i have 20 21 boards now and i have 13 boards on display in my living room alone um and then other boards i have in other places so i it's just it's such a um it's, it's such a non-issue for me because i don't put the energy into them the energy is really myself again i see it as a tool so i don't get these negative responses for having a board around my house but with what you do it's sort of like formatting a hard drive you're removing that all the ah! history from it and just trying to like restart it that's a great way of saying it. I love that. That's perfect. Well, perfectly well said. Thank I'll you. Let you. I'll let you steal it. Go ahead. Can I use that? Yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not patenting it. Or that's it. the hard drive. That's exactly <laughs> I, right. Karen, I think, I think we've probably addressed this uh, at some point, but I kind of want to make it a little bit more direct. For the people that are afraid of Ouija board, what kind of advice do you have for them? I would say don't use it. You know, th- not every tool is for everybody. 
So if let's say let's say so if you're definitely afraid of it and you think it's no good and all that, I would never take those beliefs away from you. That that's that's I respect that. I would say you know what, it's not your tool. Don't use well, it. Well, especially if but, you're going into it with with um, uh, from a f- place of fear to start off. I mean, you, you're opening the door for so many problems that can arise from that. Yeah, you're going to attract negative energy to you. It's just, it's just going to be a downward spiral. There's there's no sense of going there. But let's say you're a little hesitant, a little trepidation, but you're curious and you would like to use it. I would say come to it with a serious nature as we're talking about tonight. Um, you know, g- get a ritual out around the board, meaning you might want to set the board in a room that you light some candles. And I, I listen, I do the board in the daytime. I do it outside. You don't need to do it at night. But I, but I will light candles. I will bring out some crystals. I will bring out the sage, as I mentioned. I will do a prayer. I, I will do a breathing exercise. It's the same things I do every single time. It builds up this repetition of energy. My, my guides tell me, they say, Karen, the prayer is not so much for protection, although people need protection because they, they have their own fears. And they said, but the, it's really to build up a vibration. Now, a vibration does protect you. So you can look at it that way, too. It builds up a vibration of the intentions or the energy you want to put out there and the energy you want to receive. That is why I go through my little ritual that I do before every single session. It's just, it's it's developed over the years, but it's become pretty much the same in the, over probably the last 10 or 12 years. And and that's because I, I, I can it allows me in a way just enter like boom like that i'm right there with the energy and i can feel the spirits coming in fact they're coming and and right now they're here they're saying we're here because you're talking about this and i feel them come and then i let them enter in through just our connection it's like it's like a third it's like a third person being there my partner and i are there and then another third person comes and our energies join and it helps the planchette move and the messages come through and it's just being there being present and being there for them to use the energy that's what I do. We have about uh, just about a minute left with you here. Where can people get a hold of your books, find out more about your work? Well, thank you for asking. Um, it's been a pleasure being on your show. Thank you for having me, I want to oh, say. It's been great talking with you. Thank you. And, and, and hello to everybody. And thank you for in the chat room, too, for, for hanging out and also asking great questions and making your comments. Um, okay, so you can find me pretty much anywhere online under all the social media. Under Karen A. Dahlman, D-A-H-L-M-A-N. My website is KarenADahlman.com. My books are on Amazon and Kindle and paperback. You can find them at your other bookstores as well. I also sell autographed copies of them on my website. So go there, read about them. Go to my YouTube channel. Join my YouTube channel. I have a newsletter. Uh, um, there's a lot of really cool, fun things I'm sharing about the Ouija board. And I answer people's questions there. I, I, it might become an article I, I write about later in, in on the website of my newsletter. I have all kinds of free articles to download on spirituality, well-being, talking boards, how to do exactly what we're talking about tonight. And do it in a really safe, fun way to get great, great messages. Great. Thanks so much for being on the pro- program, Karen. It was a pleasure having you on. It's KarenADolman.com is the website. Uh, great guests. A lot of great information. And we thank her also for being in chat. The folks in chat really like that as well. And and I get what she's saying. And I guess she she agrees with what I'm saying. The the fact that the Ouija board, the board doesn't have any power. It's the fact that you're right. allowing something to channel through you to make contact uh, to to move something around on a table to uh, to uh, or a board to let you know what they're they're saying. That's where the jeopardy comes into effect. That's where you need to concern yourself is you're allowing something to use you as a puppet. And I think that that's a problem. 
Yeah, well, it, it is. There are a lot of things that fall into that category. The Ouija board is no different than that. It's basically, you know, a piece of wood and a piece yeah, of plastic. It's just, yeah, it's just you know, a, it's a some, toy thrown together. Yeah, yeah. And But you're right. It becomes a tool and it becomes a conduit by which you're the one channeling through that device. And, um, you know, and, and, and for the people who are af- afraid and have either had bad experiences or afraid of having a bad, a bad experience, Karen said, said it perfectly well. Just don't use it. Don't, don't use it. That's well, the best because way if to you're go. going, if you're going in, uh, with the fear factor already in play, I think you're also opening the door even more to, to something happening to you. I, you're going in already being scared and not being sure of yourself, uh, not being secure, yeah, you're you're just opening up uh, the door for for more negativity to come in. Thanks for listening. It's Beyond Reality Paranormal. We'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Tonight we're going to be talking with Karen Dahlman. Uh, She's an author, licensed therapist, uh, consultant, expert Ouijologist, which should be interesting to understand what that really yeah, is. Yeah, I want to know where that word came from. I mean, obviously, we all know the Ouija board, and we all know adding ologist to something kind of means you it just study makes it. You sound smart. Makes you sound very smart. Like, well, yeah, like demonology. Demonology is just the study of demons. Anybody can study demons. The problem is, everybody calls themselves a demonologist. Right, so. right. And you just throw that name on there, and you become an expert all of a sudden. Well, um, I don't know if Ouijologist is something that, you know, she, Karen came up with herself, or if there's actually a bunch of people who consider themselves that i'm anxious to ask that question yeah and uh, you're right anything you add ologist on like i'm a fishologist (laughs) and i'm a boatologist uh, well i always thought it was funny people who uh, are bartenders they call themselves mixologists you know and they just add it and it makes you sound like you're a real professional person even when i owned that bar i I guess i was a mixologist because we were constantly creating we We didn't know what we were making we were just grabbing bottles and throwing uh didn't know half the the stuff i put in some of the best drinks i ever made some of the worst drinks i've ever made we just figured this will ease the pain from right. two days of snowmobiling, or this will ease the pain from from this, or so. It generally uh, yeah. worked too. It generally did the job. Well, yeah, because you didn't wake up until noon the next day. <laughs> That's the best medicine, so. right there. <laughs> but, uh, let's um, let's quickly go to the phone lines here. We've got Preston, a good friend of the show from Alabama. Preston, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Hey, sir, how you doing? Great, sir. How you good. doing? How are you, Preston? Hey, Jason, how you doing, sir? I'm good, good, thanks. Hey, I'm real sorry. Sorry to bother you, Jason. Not a not uh, a bother. I was I was wanting to ask you a question. Okay. Because I look up to you as my teacher in, in the paranormal field, and uh, you're the only person I know to ask this to. Go ahead and ask, Preston. Yeah, sure. Um, my friend passed away back in October, and she lived with her husband and. She died in in the house in the hallway. She just fell over dead. And my my the guy she was married to asked me, would I investigate his house and try to make contact with her? 
and I just got to thinking. I said, I'm going to ask Jason how 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 would I approach that. So well, I wanted to call and yeah, ask well, you about that. And it's a, it's a good question. I've I've been in a very similar predicament right before the show Ghost Hunters took off. Um, a very close friend of mine, Taps member Chris Angelo, was killed in was killed in a car accident, and I was contacted strangely um, uh, by this uh, a funeral home. Um, not even, I'm sorry, not a few were at home, a business that actually printed out uh, cards, uh, the funeral cards. Come to find out, they had printed out Chris's cards, um, and they had asked me to come and investigate and check out the place. I had a hard time doing that because, you know, Chris was such a close friend of mine. But I think it, I think it would have been, now, now in hindsight, I think it would have been a good idea because if it was Chris haunt, haunting the location uh, or still there, we we had a history together. We were close friends. We were, we were hanging out. You know, two days before he before he he was killed, he was supposed to go to uh, to Gettysburg with me, and uh, a family situation came up, and he couldn't. And uh, I would have loved to have gotten out there and checked it out. Now thinking about it, at that time, it was it was definitely a tough situation for me. I don't know how I if I could have handled it because it was such a, a personal friend. But uh, if I if I was you, I would I I, I would because there's the connection there. There's that connection where maybe she, if she is there, she'd be willing to talk with you um, because there's already that, that friendship. Yes, sir. that help you out, Preston? Yes, sir, absolutely. Jason always, he always helps me out. Great. Well, Thanks thank for the you, call. Preston. Thank you. All right. Well, you're listening to Jason and JV. We were, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Hey, gang, it's JV here. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Beyond Reality Radio. Some of you are new to the program. And some of you have been with us for years. And no matter if you're interested in ghosts, the UFO phenomenon, conspiracy discussions, or any of the other topics we explore on this program, we do it for you. Our goal here is to help find answers to some of the world's most enduring mysteries. And as we continue to bring you interviews and discussions each night, it's important that we get your feedback and even more importantly, your support. The media landscape is forever changing. And as it does, we need to be able to change with it. That's why it's important for you right now to go to our youtube channel and subscribe once on youtube just search for jv johnson you'll find it there subscribe it's all free and it'll make you part of our global community in addition beyond reality radio is available as a podcast go to your favorite podcast platform and search for beyond reality radio and subscribe there as well and finally, we have an archive program that you may enjoy as well. This show can be found on major podcast platforms, and it's called Beyond Reality Paranormal. By supporting us in one or all of those places, you can be sure we'll be able to continue to deliver quality shows to you, no matter what form the media landscape takes. As a paranormal historian, I promise you the best and most entertaining conversations as we continue to hunt for the truth 